You're listening to the Believe in Dog podcast. I'm your host and resident dog mom, Erin Scott. If you consider your dog a family member, then this podcast is for you. Let's celebrate the love and connection we have with our dogs. Not only can a dog be your best friend, but I believe a dog can be a healer, a teacher, and an inspiration. This is a place for us to connect in the joy of loving our dogs, and also a place where you know you're not alone in the difficult times, or in the sadness of missing a dog that was an important part of your life. I can't wait to share with you stories of how the love of a dog is changing our lives and changing the world. This is Believe in Dog. Welcome to episode 15 of the Believe in Dog podcast. Thank you so much for being here today. I took a little bit of an unexpected summer hiatus. I've spent the last several weeks working on some other projects that I'll be telling you more about soon in the near future. I'm really glad to be speaking with you today and to get the podcast schedule rolling again. When we last spoke, I was telling you about how my dog Penny had an unexpected reaction to a medication that resulted in her losing some of her hearing. And I have good news on that front. I'd estimate that she's regained probably about 80% of her hearing over the last two months. There have been several days recently where she's even been greeting me at the front door because she heard me coming home, and that makes me feel like things are getting really back to normal. And the one little bit of good news to her still having a tiny bit of hearing loss is that thunder and fireworks seem to not bother her quite as much because she's not quite hearing them as much. So it's a weird little bright spot to all of this. And just in this past week, we celebrated our fifth anniversary of Penny joining our family. I think I've touched on the story a little bit in previous episodes, but I was actually out volunteering with my friend Mindy, who was a guest in episode two. At the time, Mindy was on the board of the Feline Rescue Association here in Baltimore, Maryland, which has a big TNR program for urban cats in Baltimore, Maryland. So Mindy and I were out volunteering with the TNR Organization for Cats in the Park Heights neighborhood in northwest Baltimore City, and we turned a corner and out of an alley came running this very skinny dog that was missing a lot of fur, and that is my dog Penny. We threw her in the truck. She had no tags, no collar. She was extremely underweight. She looked like she had very recently given birth to puppies. We went and looked through the alley to see if we could find or hear any puppy noises. But when we didn't, we decided to take her to Baltimore's Barks Animal Shelter. And then as soon as her stray hold was over, my husband and I went and brought her home, and Penny has been with us ever since. So I'm so excited to be sharing five years with her. I called her on Facebook my ride-or-die gal, because she's always up for an adventure. She always wants to go for a car ride. And I took her out for a very special fifth anniversary, fifth gotcha day car ride, because that was the best thing I could think of to celebrate Penny being a part of our family. I'm really excited for you to hear today's episode. This is the first time that we're having like a returning guest from a previous episode come and give us an update on what they've been up to. So I hope that you have listened to episode three with Michelle Siraki, and I'll give you a little bit of a recap here in case you haven't. In 2002, Michelle and her husband brought home a pit bull named Capone. He was a little puppy when they first brought him home, and then as he started to get older, he developed some behavioral issues. Michelle and her family also experienced a lot of discrimination 
because they had a pit bull, even within their own family, but especially when they started reaching out to dog trainers or walking through their neighborhood, there were a lot of people who were not supportive of them having a pit bull. She would experience things like she would call a dog trainer to find out about classes, they would tell her there was an opening, and then as soon as she said that she had a pit bull, suddenly the class was closed. So this was now around 2008. Michelle and her husband decided to put an ad on Craigslist, which she mentions was not as creepy back in 2008. And they put this ad out looking for help for their pit bull. But what they got in response was about 75 people writing back to them from their same Milwaukee, Wisconsin area saying, I have a pit bull and I need help. And she's like, oh my God, there's, there's all these people that need help. So they put a second ad out a couple weeks later, and sure enough, this time they get like 80 responses of people who need help with their pit bull. And she's like, well, somebody's got to help them. And so that was the birth of the Brew City Bully Club in 2008. And what I love about Michelle's story is that it exemplifies the idea of seeing that there is a need in your community, and so she decided to step up to help. So from 2008 until 2019, the Bruce City Bully Club worked in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area to spread education and awareness. They did things like rescue, advocacy, providing spay-neuter services, and veterinary clinics to help the underserved community members in their area. And in today's episode, Michelle is going to tell us about the monumental, life-changing occurrence that happened for her in 2019 that has now made her expand her mission. And the Bruce City Bully Club has now morphed into Pitbull Advocates of America. Michelle's going to tell us the origin story of Pitbull Advocates of America. She's going to talk about the new national campaigns that Pitbull Advocates of America will be heading. We talk about old school Pitbull advocacy versus new school Pitbull advocacy and messaging. She talks about having a united strategy for Pitbull Advocates across America to all get on the same page. Michelle shares with us her number one tip for encountering someone who is afraid of pit bulls, and we talk about who Michelle's biggest hero is in animal welfare. And Michelle also shares with us the very exciting news about the official launch of the Pitbull Advocates of America podcast. The first episode of the podcast has officially dropped. I'll make sure to put links in the show notes. And at the end of today's interview, I'll give you my review on the first episode of the Pitbull Advocates of America podcast. So let's get started with Pitbull Advocates of America and Michelle Siraki. So I am here today with Michelle Siraki. You might remember Michelle from episode three, where she told us the story of her dog Capone and how that inspired her to start the Brew City Bully Club in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Michelle had sort of alluded to me uh, at the time that she had some big changes coming in store for 2020, and I have brought Michelle back on to do a follow-up episode so that she can tell us about everything she's been up to since her first episode aired last fall. Hi, Michelle. Hi. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be back. So you have been quite busy. Do you want to tell us about what you've had going on? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Who who knew 2020? Um, I was I thought it was just going to be a, a big, interesting year for my organization, not for the whole world. Exactly. <laughs> like now. Uh, yeah. So the story goes that last April, 
my associate director and I went to a Humane Society of the United States Expo, their annual expo that they have. And we uh, were really excited to go and had signed up for a million classes. If your listeners aren't real familiar with the HSUS Expo, it's a four-day convention and expo where there are hundreds of offerings of seminars and classes that you can take. And there's a physical expo hall where you can meet a whole bunch of different vendors and whatnot. It's, it's really a cool a cool animal welfare opportunity each year to be able to go to. And we had never been to one. So we were really excited to have this opportunity. And we had signed up for all of these classes and all of these workshops. And on the very last day was the one that we had been waiting for all week. And it was called Pipples, What Are We Going to Do? And the question for you, this expo, is it directed more towards people who have like animal shelters or is it for just anyone who volunteers? Yeah, it's directed for for anybody, anyone that's interested in, in animal welfare, anyone that's in animal welfare. I mean, it goes um, even gets kind of outside of actual animal welfare a little bit with you know, veterinarians and different, you know, so there's microchipping companies, there's veterinarians, there's shelter building architects, and, and any animal that you can think of under the sun also. So there's workshops on horses and cats, and, and then there's workshops on how to manage volunteers, and there's workshops on fundraising and on, you know, holding events and, and on training. It's a plethora of offerings all all across the Animal Welfare Board. I feel like it kind of dabbles in just about anything that you can think of. Really, it's, I mean, it's really cool. It's really cool. And you get to pick, you know, what classes you, what classes and workshops you want to attend. So you can really make it really personal for wherever you're coming from. Like my organization, we focus on and specialize in dogs that are perceived as pit bulls. So we're a dog organization, first of all. So we're you know really in that lane. And then, you know, we do a little bit of rescue and we do a lot of advocacy and a lot of community outreach. So those were the types of of workshops and seminars that we were looking for in general. And being a small organization, of course, things like fundraising and volunteers and that were very interesting too. But this particular topic of, you know, pitbulls, what are we going to do? It's just, it's a huge question in our nation. And so we were super excited to get to the last day and to get into the seminar. And of all the seminars that we had been attending all week, there were some that had 15 people in them. There were some that had 25 people, some that had a hundred. It kind of, it kind of depended what you were going to, but this one, when we walked in the room, uh, it was the by far the largest meeting room that they had. It was probably three times the size of any other meeting room that we had been in. And they packed it. I, I want to estimate that there were probably 250 or 300 people Oh wow! in there. Yeah, they ran out of chairs. There were people lined up against the walls. And so, you know, that right there as a pit bull advocate, that right there goes, okay, so I've been in I've been in classes and workshops all week and this topic this topic is the one that 
a vast majority of folks that are here really wanted to be part of, and they're willing to stand up against the wall and not even have a seat for 90 minutes so that they can try to get an answer to this question. So obviously we were really excited. And when it got started, we found out that the presenter was ill. And so someone else was was just going to be filling in and he was going to do this real short abbreviated PowerPoint about some Pitbull topics. And then basically what they had decided to do was go ahead and make it like a town hall style meeting. So they put microphones in four aisles that were in the room. And then they had a floating mic that basically anyone in the room that thought that they knew the answer to a question could just kind of raise their hand and try to answer the question. So it, was, it, it ended up being a really unique seminar, obviously, as well. So the PowerPoint was really a little, uh, you know, a little underwhelming, but I, I can't blame anyone if they had to make something up on the fly, you know, with a moment's notice or, or whatnot. But it had some information in it that to me really wasn't quite accurate. And so that was a little bit of a bummer. But then people started lining up in the in the aisles with the microphones. And my first thought was, wow, there's a lot of people that have questions. You know, there's four microphones and each one has their own line that's several people deep. Like, that's really interesting. And then the questions started coming and it was a mind-blowing hour then because if anyone did get to listen to the, the episode that I was on with you last time and heard how I started this organization with a couple of Craigslist ads that went crazy awry. And what ended up happening was like 150 people emailed me and asked, like they were begging for help with their pitbull type dogs, even though that's not at all what I was trying to do. So here I am in New Orleans and this it's like the same thing is happening. I'm having deja vu from, from, you know, 11 years prior, because these people are standing up in, in these aisles and they're just like, you know, our board of directors won't allow us to adopt out people type dogs. And we don't know how to change that. We don't know how to talk to them. We don't know how to, how to get that rule changed. Or, you know, we have breed specific legislation in our town and we want to get it lifted and we don't know where to start. So how do we, how do we start a campaign against that type of legislation? One lady from uh, North Carolina stood up and, and she said, I can't talk to my family about pit bulls because it, it, it's such a political conversation and people get so heated and they get so upset. And I need somebody to help me to be able to talk to my family about this. And and even, you know, we we know that our community needs to get some resources for low-cost vet care and, and for spay and neuter, but we don't know where to start. We don't know how to do this. So I'm sitting there with, with Victoria, my associate director, and my hand is just like up, 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 you know, and I just keep begging for the microphone. And not a lot of people were raising their hands to answer the questions. And I was like, oh man, but I was like, holy cow, this is what we've been focusing on for over a decade. This is what we've been, we've been doing. We've been doing low cost health clinics. We've been doing spay and neuter. We've been, we've been working against breed specific legislation. We've been teaching people how to talk to their families, to their coworkers, to their communities. So I was just 
I don't know, I really was having deja vu. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's another couple hundred people in this room that need help. And the difference between last year and 2008 was this time I knew how to help them. In 2008, I didn't know how to help them, but I just wanted to, and I just wanted to work really hard to figure it out. This time I was like, I know how to do this. I'm not like trying to pat myself on the back, but what I'm saying is I had this, this long bit of training and had fallen on my face and made a million mistakes and knew, okay, well, that wasn't the way to do it. Let's try something else. So, so I just, I just was like really overwhelmed, which you can kind of tell even in how I am trying to get this out of me to tell you today, like it's still a little overwhelming when I think back on it. So I kept taking the mic until honestly, and it's funny now, but honestly, Victoria kicked me under the table and she was like, knock it off. Like you're embarrassing me. And I said, I'm so sorry, but like, we know how to help these people. I can't just sit here silently when we know how to help. So we kind of divvied up some of the people's who had like the questions that were really, I think, the most urgent. And as soon as the seminar was over, we just took off out of our seats and tried to reach those people before they left the room and just kind of gave them a card and said, contact us, let's email, let's figure out how we can help you. You know, we'd really love to be as, as supportive as we can and help to th- you know, have things change in your community. So we left the conference center and I can be I can be a really solid as a rock person, or I can really be an emotional <laughs> wreck. And I, I made <laughs> right, and I made it about a block out of that conference center and just fell apart. And Victoria, who who we've worked together for like eight years, and she just looked at me and she said, "What what's going on in your head?" And I said, "We gotta we ha- we have to do something. We have I can't." I cannot turn my cheek to this. I cannot walk away from it. Like everything has changed this second boom where the organization as we knew it is, is completely moving in a different direction because I have got to get to these people. So, um, so that was April of last year and we started planning in, in August then to change our local organization, which was known as the Bruce City Bully Club to Pipple Advocates of America. We legally formally did the name change as of January 1st of 2020, rebuilt our website, rebranded the whole organization, all of our social media, all of our handouts, everything. It was a lot more work than what I thought it was going to be, which is really silly. Yeah, right? Yeah. Never never as easy as what we think it's going to be, but very worth it still. And then, and then COVID came into our lives, which has been, um, which has been an interesting speed bump, but just a speed bump nonetheless. I mean, I was really ready as soon as 2020 hit to jump on planes and get to people and be doing my Pipple University seminars in their towns, in front of their faces, working with their common councils, um, working with their with their community officials, their boards and their shelters, whatever. So obviously that plan had to kind of change an awful lot for now, but that's okay. Like I said, it's just it's just going to be a speed bump. Nothing's going to stop us from from getting to these people and really helping them with the things that they need help with. So you're really expanding your mission from being a local organization to being a national organization for pitbull advocacy. 
Right. Yeah. So we're not abandoning our work in Milwaukee completely. Milwaukee has had us for the last 12 years, and we've done a great deal of advocacy. And uh, I feel like we've really accomplished a lot here. We're going to keep doing our owner support outreach. So our low cost clinics and our spay and neuter and our behavior support, that type of stuff. I'm not sure how much physical rescue we're really going to be able to continue to commit to because that is that's a whole organization. It's a whole job in itself. So we'll kind of have to see how that goes. But that was never our main focus as a as an advocacy and resource driven organization anyway. But right, we've we've really, really shifted gears now to making this push for people all around the country to get to know who we are and then to be able to contact us. And we have programs that now we've developed that are starting to come to fruition that are able to be nationwide programs. Like right now we're running a yard sign campaign in Little Rock, Arkansas, North Little Rock, Arkansas, and then one here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And we're planning with people all over the country to have their own little yard side campaigns. And so that what that looks like is just really getting all of these yards all across the, the country to have these signs. The sign is really cute and it says, life begins when fear ends, education over discrimination and leads people to our website where they can get more information. And we are in the midst of getting a new page on our website called For the Fearful. And it's going to be a page that if somebody comes to our website, they see that sign and they're wondering what that means. Life begins when fear ends and they are afraid of dogs that are perceived as pit bulls. And they come and they read about on this page for the fearful. They read about how we don't blame them and we're not angry with them and that we understand why sometimes things can be scary in life and everybody has different fears, but that we hope that they'll look through some of the other areas of our website and we hope that they'll give um, these dogs an opportunity to, to prove a different side than the one that they're scared of and, and what they think that they know about dogs perceived as pit bulls. Um, and the page two will have some scientific information on it about how the way that something looks does not predict its behavior in, in any type of dog. So all dogs are individuals and we really need to take them at face value that way, just like we should in all aspects of our life, right? With the people that we meet, with the animals that we come in contact with, with all different parts of life. So I love that. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about and kind of like an old school advocacy versus like a new school advocacy and like our language around that. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking back to you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, you know, when I, when I very first adopted a, a pit bull dog and it seemed like even the people who had pit bulls and loved pit bull dogs were still sort of saying that somehow like the dogs were different and needed to be treated differently 
and that, you know, they know they don't have locking jaws, but, you know, they're stronger, more, you know, stubborn than, than a lot of other dogs. And, you know, we had our girls, our old girls, Lucy and Kalua, And I remember people, you know, kind of lashing out at me, telling me I couldn't have two female pit bulls together. And mm-hmm. it's like, we're literally best friends for 10 years and like never left each other's side, you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so there's sort of like a, a thing of like, first we have to, to get kind of everybody that has a pit bull on the same page as well as getting everyone else on the same page too. Yeah. You couldn't be more right about that. In, in my opinion, I, um, I am 150% with you. And it's funny because we were just recording a podcast yesterday morning and brought up the fact that people advocates, we are all over the place with how we feel like we should be doing this and what we feel like we should be saying and then arguing sometimes amongst ourselves. And it's, it's really just shooting. It's really just shooting our, our advocacy in the foot. It's just sad. It's just sad because we could be, if we, if we had a uniform strategy and if we had a consistent message, we would be able to do so much more good and make so much more progress you know, so much more efficiently. So um, this is a really big part of the goal, the 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 over overlying goal, the umbrella goal at Pipple Advocates of America is to is to try to unite and bring some continuity to advocacy for dogs that are perceived to be pit bulls and. You know, it's funny because, I mean, there's a lot of emotion in animal welfare, and sometimes those things, they just are are really to our detriment, and we need to learn to get past our own agendas and our own emotion and our and our own cattiness, I guess, at times, and just unite and, and just really just try to hit this thing hard and and work a little bit more feverishly and and more efficiently so that we can make some real significant progress. We need to be more like our dogs than Caddy. Right. We do. Yeah, we absolutely do. And, and, you know, everybody brings something different to the table and that's all really cool. And I'm not saying that we need to be robotic, but sometimes it's really hard to come out and say, and, and again, this is, this is something else that we have been teaching people for years and just want to do it on a much broader, broader scale. But there's a, there's an anti-movement in, in Pitbull land. You know, there are actually many, many organizations whose mission is to eradicate pitbull type dogs from the planet. And this anti-movement is so well organized. They're so united. They have continuity. We can learn so much from the folks that really, you know, should be our, our enemy, but, but I don't, I try not to have any enemies in my life. And I'm telling you, I've learned a ton from the anti-movement in the last decade, a ton, and they really have it together. And I want to emulate some of that because that's what, that's what I feel like we need. We need to have a, a united strategy and, and a consistent approach to be able to really make a difference in in the country about these dogs. And, you know, we can stereotype and we can, 
we can certainly look at the fact that, you know, different breeds, you know, different breeds do different things really well. Some breeds are really good herders and some breeds are really good hunters and some breeds are really fast. But is every greyhound really fast? No. Is every hunting dog really great at tracking and bringing stuff back? Nope. Mm-mm. We get kind of stuck, though, I think, as as humans in these stereotypes. Every pit bull is not going to not like other dogs. And, you know, and, the, and every pit bull isn't going to be a couch potato. And every pit bull isn't going to be bouncing off the walls. I mean, like, you know, there's pit bull type dogs are so diverse in their genealogy. And this is another big thing that we want to try and get into the public's mind so that they can really kind of start to understand where they have the wrong information. But pit bull type dogs are the biggest mutt that we have. They're so mixed up. And sure, there are definitely purebred dogs that can represent the breeds that really fall under the, the original umbrella of Pitbull, the, the four breeds there, but they're so mixed up because they're backyard bred more times than what they are on purpose. And then a lot of times, even the, the, the breeders that are breeding them purposefully aren't really professional in the way of some of the Shih Tzu breeders that are out there, some of the Golden Retriever breeders that are out there, some of the Poodle breeders that are out there that have been doing this for generation after generation for show dogs and for whatnot. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. So one of the things that you just kind of alluded to is that you have a podcast coming out where you're going to talk more about these kinds of things. We do. And this is, yeah, it's so exciting. You know what? I had so much fun being on your podcast last year that I decided I wanted my own, (laughs) which is kind of true. I might've had an idea that I wanted a podcast a little bit before you and I talked. However, one of the ways that we feel like we could have a farther reach and be able to get our message out to you know, vastly more people is, is through this, this, you know, relatively new medium of of podcasting that's becoming really popular. So really soon we are going to be launching our own Pitbull Advocates of America, the podcast, not the most creative title, but we felt like it really gave people a good, clear idea of what it is that we were going to be about. We're going to be about advocacy in relation to Pitbull-type dogs. And our first few episodes are kind of introducing the organization and introducing the foundation of, of creating this unified strategy with this with this really consistent message. And then once we lay that foundation, we're going to start putting some bricks onto that foundation each week through these podcasts. So giving people more ideas of how to really effectively advocate, of how to be able to do their own spay and neuter things in their community, their own low-cost health clinics in their community, Uh, We'll talk a lot about breed-specific legislation. Uh, We'll talk about some of the some of the things that you hear all the time: myths, pitbull myths that just need to die. So yeah, I I couldn't be more excited about this. I think that people 
that love these animals are craving knowledge and want to know how to be more effective. And for, from from the last 10 years of doing seminars and, you know, teaching people how to advocate better, what I've really learned in person with this is that what comes really naturally to me or, or what I have learned since 2002, other people, they haven't, it's just like, oh, I never really thought of it that way. Oh, I never really thought about asking someone why they're scared. I just get so upset that I just shut down and I'm just angry and I, and I can't do anything else. Well, that's obviously not going to be an effective advocacy strategy. We can't shut down. We can't get angry. We need to take a deep breath and we need to get our emotions in check. And then we need to start out our advocacy by asking why that person has that problem. And it is probably the most effective advocacy strategy that I know of. And it opens, it opens hearts and it opens minds and it opens conversations and it really changes the landscape of that person's life and what they were thinking and, and, and your own advocacy. So yes, I'm super excited about it. Well, I'm so excited to hear this. I've you know been such a huge supporter of this and I think you're right that there are so many people you know, who love pit bulls and are just thirsting for more, you know, information around this particular topic. And one of the things that I really love that you just touched on and, and that I've seen in, in some of, you know, your branding on you know, Facebook and in your social media is just the idea of bringing compassion to our advocacy and not, you know, making it an attack. And I know sometimes it, it might feel like we're being attacked. Mm. If somebody doesn't like our dog, but like, you know, like you were just saying, like, that they have a fear that maybe they had, you know, a bad experience or they, you know, knew someone that had a bad experience or they saw some horrible picture online of somebody that had a bad experience. Right. And really, you just, you just said what I think a great, great number of advocates think. It's hard not to get angry when someone doesn't like my dog. Here's, here's a tiny little nugget that people can hear more about at our podcast it is almost never that, that that person doesn't like your dog. I would say if I had to put a percentage on it in the times that this has gone on in the last 20 years of my life, I would say personally in the high 90s, it's never ever that they don't like my dog. But that is how we feel. But it is actually when we ask them, well, why did you just, you know, why, why are you acting that way? Can you just talk to me for a minute? Well, my sister was walking down the street and this happened or, you know, my, my cousin told me that, you know, this and this and this about Pipple type dogs. It almost never has anything to do with your dog. I, I can't even remember a time, honestly, where someone was like, I think your dog is, I think your dog's ugly lady. I think your dog looks mean. I think your dog, it's never about my dog. It's never actually about my dog. It's about a deep-rooted fear that they have about the dogs in general. So yeah, I mean, so you just like hit the nail on the head on something that's so important that we educate people on because they do immediately go there. Oh, this is a this is a personal attack on me and my dog. And it couldn't statistically really be farther from the truth. It's just someone's fear coming out. When I scream when I see 
any size spider, it has nothing to do with that particular <laughs> spider. I'm not mad at that spider. Yep. I'm not, I don't know him. I don't, I have nothing. It is the whole gamut. It is every single from a microscopic one that you can barely see to the largest tarantula that you could ever imagine. I am terrified of all of them. And it's never a personal, it's never a personal thing. It's, it's a blanket intense fear that I have that actually fires off things in my nervous system and and I can feel the fear in my body. So when we can become compassionate to that, when we can take ourselves out of the equation, this isn't about us. This is about them and their fear. And when we can be compassionate to that and go, oh my gosh, I feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry that my dog scared you. Why are you scared? Oh my gosh. The, the whole country will change. The whole country will change. It's, it, it, I can't even stress hard enough how huge this small shift in our approach can just change things for us. Literally, I think overnight, it would be fantastic. And I feel like, you know, I don't want to get political, but there's been a lot going on in the country lately. And, yeah. you know, I feel like this is just like a microcosm of, you know, so many larger issues. <laughs> like if we can just have compassion that, you know, that somebody doesn't understand something or, or has a fear, or you know, that if we can all kind of work together to understand each other, that we'll get much farther. I agree with that. I feel like compassion and kindness is always the answer. Um, I think sometimes people roll their eyes at me and they think that I'm some sort of like simplistic little farm girl or something like that, although that was never been my life. But I, I think that the power of love and the power of compassion and the power of kindness it, so far exceeds the perceived power of, of hate and of anger. You feel more powerful when you channel your anger and your hatred. You feel more powerful. But what is coming out of you is is... Uh, is really almost powerless. You, you really can't change anything with hate and anger. You know, I think historically we can see time and time and time again that that has never been the case and that the people that have really stepped up in this world and have really made significant change in people's thinking about things have always 100% of the time done it with kindness and, and, and with compassion. The person that's like ding, 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 ding in my head right now is Jane Goodall, who's my hero mm. and who took an animal that no one thought had any, people really actually in the sixties didn't think that animals had emotions. They didn't think that they really had any thoughts. They didn't think that they had any of that. And she took that whole idea and, and challenged it with, with kindness and with compassion and with inspiration and, and actually really helped the whole world to come out of their narrow and reductionist way of thinking that we were the only beings that had personality, mind, and emotions. And, you know, but she just did it. She didn't do it by yelling at people. She didn't do it by, by being angry that people didn't understand. She did it by just kindly, kindly talking to people and educating them. So yeah, I agree with you. I think, I think most of the world's problems could be solved if we could all kind of get past our, past ourselves and just into a place where we just want to help other people. 
So I know that you brought up Jane Goodall. I was actually so fortunate, obviously in the pre-COVID times, I think it was last September, I got to go see her speak uh, in Washington. It was amazing. Yeah. I can imagine. Oh, I'm so jealous of you right now. It was a wonderful experience. I just wanted to mention that real quick. I would mention that if I was able to, heck yeah, I'd mention that to anybody that would listen to me. I'd be like, I, I saw Jane Goodall. I saw, I saw Jane Goodall. Yeah. She's just a beautiful, a beautiful advocate and just a, a, a unbelievable person. So absolutely. If you're going to pick somebody to have as a role model, that's a good one to pick. <sighs> yeah. She's my hero. A hundred million percent. So I knew during this whole pandemic, you and Victoria had actually started doing some live streams on Facebook, um, kind of around some of these topics. I've seen you guys talk about everything from, you know, training your dog to advocacy. So did you just start doing that out of the pandemic? We did. You know, what happened actually was the pandemic hit and we had a fundraiser planned, a rebranding party, a physical rebranding party for the relaunch of our organization to Pitbull Advocates of America. Then of course we couldn't have it in in person because of COVID. And so we had to change it to a virtual party. So we did. And Victoria and I went on Facebook live and, you know, we just were walking around and you know, showing people dogs and showing people raffle prizes and talking about silliness and whatnot. And we had such a great time doing that. We just, we just thought it was a hoot. I don't know what other people really thought of that fundraiser, but we thought it was great. So we came out of that like, hey, you know, the podcast, you know, we're not quite ready with that yet. We have some major COVID things that we need to deal with now. And so we, we couldn't start recording the podcast. And so we thought, well, what if we just go on Facebook Live once a week for an hour. And we talk about some of the topics that we're going to be doing seminars on eventually and doing the podcast on eventually. And, and, you know, why don't we just, why don't, why don't we just have a little bit of fun with it? So we did. Yeah. And it was a hoot. I mean, you know, again, we just, we just had a really good time. And then after about five or six, seven weeks of that, we were finally in a place where we really needed to focus our efforts on recording the podcast. And so we stopped doing the live, but that's because in a short period of time now, the the podcast will be dropping. So well, I'm so excited. Are there any other plans that you want to give us a sneak preview of? We do have other campaigns, a lot, you know, so the yard sign campaign was the easiest one for us to get rolling on. We'll be doing billboard campaigns across the country in different cities. And then we'll be doing door hanger campaigns, again, just encouraging people from all over the country to get a series of five door hangers and then get a group of volunteers together and be putting these door hangers on a specific community. We're going to ask people to really thoughtfully consider a couple mile radius community and then they'll be doing this and and each home then will get all five of the door hangers this this series but we're not we're not ready yet with the actual designs for the door hangers yet do you want to tell us where people can go to find out more if they want to get involved Oh, absolutely. Uh, We would love for you to visit our website, pippleadvocates.org. You can order a free bumper sticker on our website and be supportive of our mission. Uh, There's a ton of other, I know I'm biased, but there's a ton of other really great information on that website. I'm, I'm in love with it. Our web designer did such a great job with our new website. We're also on social media, Facebook, 
and Instagram, Pitbull Advocates of America. So check us out there. Facebook is really our main way that we communicate with people right now. So if you want to know, you know, really what we're doing in real time, you know, what campaigns we have going on, what things we're going to be doing. Facebook is really, I think the best place to go for that type of information. But yeah, please visit, please visit our our website and, and search our podcast. It should be, it should be dropping anytime now. I'm, I'm so excited for you guys. Oh, we appreciate that so much. I hope you are as pumped about the Pitbull Advocates of America podcast as I am. You can listen to the first episode now. I'll put a link in the show notes. In the first episode of Michelle's podcast, you'll hear her tell some of the same stories that she talked about today. There's awesome intro music. I have to give them credit and kudos on that. I love how much passion you can hear in her voice for what she does and why she does it. But my favorite part of the Pitbull Advocates of America's first episode is how honest Michelle is, how humble she is about all the mistakes that she's made along the way, about all that she's learned along her journey. I found her honesty to be so brave and refreshing, and I hope you will enjoy listening to it as much as I did. So if you have a Pitbull, if you love a Pitbull, if you know someone with a Pitbull, make sure you tell them about the Pitbull Advocates of America podcast. And you can join in the online launch party on Tuesday, September 1st, over on the Pitbull Advocates of America's Facebook page. I'm so appreciative to Michelle for agreeing to return to the podcast and share her story and her update with us. I started this podcast because I love seeing all the different ways that our dogs can affect our lives. I'm sure that 20 years ago, if you had told Michelle what she'd be doing today, she never would have believed you because she hadn't yet met Capone. And sometimes there are these dogs that come into our lives and just change everything. And it might be a very personal journey for us, or it might be the kind of journey that leads us to now wanting to help everyone in the country that needs help like Michelle's doing. And I just find it all just so amazing. And just these dogs are just such amazing creatures in our lives. They open our hearts in so many different ways. And I'm so thankful to you for being here, for listening to these stories, for being a part of this. So if you have a story you'd like to share with us, you can always contact me, Erin, E-R-I-N, at BelieveInDogPodcast.com. You can find me on Facebook at Believe in Dog Podcast and on Instagram at Believe in Dog Podcast with underscores. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Believe in Dog Podcast. So until next time, this is Erin Scott sending you hugs and belly rubs. Mm-hmm.